Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chasing Edges podcast. I'm your host, Brian Peters. Got an absolute stud on this week, Ryan Shazier. He's a first-round draft pick and two-time pro bowler for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now he's a keynote speaker, entrepreneur, author of the book, Walking Miracle, podcast host, show host. He founded his own foundation, the Ryan Shazier Foundation for Spinal Rehabilitation. He's just an incredible human, a man of many hats. Um, But if you don't know his story, his story is incredible. He suffered a terrible spinal injury in December of 2017 versus the Bengals, where the game of football got taken from him. He had to learn how to walk and move and train again. And we talk about that on the podcast, but we talk about his mindset and the lessons that he learned throughout his life and career particularly changing identities, how's he do it, Um, the power of staying positive, how to understand not how to live in the past. We talk a lot about leadership lessons from Mike Tomlin and Joey Porter. We get really clear on how to make decisions uh, through the right right lens uh, and for yourself. He has awesome lessons from growing up with alopecia and great parenting from his father, who is a pastor, and his mom, who is super positive. There's just so many cool little nuggets. This is definitely one of my favorite conversations to date, and I hope you enjoy all right, everybody, welcome back. Got Ryan Chase here on this week. How you doing, Ryan? Appreciate you joining me. Man, I appreciate you having me, man. I'm I'm, I'm really glad to be on, on board. Yeah, dude, I'm 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 hyped to talk to you that just for a million reasons and all that else you guys sing your praises. So uh and we'll get into all that. But um where we start the podcast off, um podcast is called Chasing Edges. Where in your life right now are you chasing edges? Where are you learning and growing? Yeah, so like like we talked about a little bit before the podcast even started. Some of the things that I'm trying to learn and grow at is just trying to be a little bit strong mentally. And because when you're playing sports, you're you're pretty strong mentally. Just to know all that knowledge, have all that chaos in front of you. But when you get out of sports, sometimes you fail to use those same tools to help you in life, you know. And, And instead of just you know, running and tackling a dummy, you know, you might have to hit read a book or a little bit longer or, you know, delete your social media, you know? And like, for instance, to me, I didn't actually delete my social media, but I, I, I removed the apps off my phone. Cause I was like, man, I need to find out ways where I can get more time with my family and more time with myself, you know? And, and so right now I'm chasing the edge of trying to really lock in. There's like a few things I, I, I told my wife this morning, like, Man, it's a few things I really want to work on right now. One of them is uh, I'm I'm only gonna have the team really like lock in on my social media so much, so I don't be on it as much. I like I might actually stop drinking soon, you know. And and it's, so it's like I have a few things that I'm really trying to work on, and and I, I'm trying to dedicate you know time to my kids uh, before I jump on my video game or you know do things that I want to do because I a lot of times I you know I jump I, I get ahead and sometimes I do things where I want to do it and. And, you know, that's not, I need to do what's best for my kids. And, and I'm and I'm trying to make sure I'd be a better father. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's, I mean, it's addition by subtraction, but it, there's, there's so much leverage in that. And then prioritizing and okay, now it's, I just think commitments, medicine in general, anyways, once you commit to something or you eventually like subtract enough to have this time for commitment, like now you get compound interest on the return of being a good parent of like learning and that kind of thing. And part of, part of what I wanted to talk to you about too, is because, like, uh, and we can talk about your injury. I'm sure you talk circles around that on every podcast and everything you do. But um, a big thing that comes up on this podcast is always like the identity transition and like transitioning from football. And like, and obviously you went out in a pretty extreme way in that sense, but you've done a million good things since then. But like, and then you got your, you went back to school and finished up 
what, whatever, four or five years after uh, you're done playing everything. How was the, because like, I look at it this, like this way too, because it happens in minuscule times when you're playing. Same, like, like, I'm sure you got other injuries that kept you out of games during certain parts in your career, but like when your body can't like support the identity, like we're, we're athletes, we've always been fast, athletic growing up and those kind of things. But as you basically like, when that gets taken away, on top of like not having the NFL like concept platform now, like, okay, like you, you said it earlier, right. When we started that, like, okay, like my capabilities that I learned and earned through football, they transition elsewhere a million percent, but I'm not like, I'm technically not this football player. Cause that can always end and change always happens in that kind of sense. So like your capability makes you X like capable of all that you're doing now. So can you talk a little bit about kind of like the transition from just, injury aside like being a football player to now like being this author again you're running a foundation you're still supporting the buckeye uh cruise for cancer all these things it's incredible stuff can you just talk about the identity change yeah no so i'm gonna be completely honest with you like it was it was very difficult because i've been playing football since i was five years old and a lot of people fail to realize is that Everybody in football always heard, man, it can end any given day. It can end any given day. But it's just like everybody feels like that's never going to be me. You know, so obviously I was one of those guys. I never thought it could be me. I was preparing for it, you know, just in case. But I still didn't think it would be me. And a lot of people fail to realize that, like, everybody goes through transition in life. But some people do better and some people do worse. And I would say this transition for me was kind of like when I went – uh in in high school so my first year at high school uh I, I went to another school it was called Blanche Lee High and then I, I played there I was on a junior varsity it was actually the same school that Patrick Peterson went to we went to high school together for one year and um I ended up going to varsity I mean I played JV and I'm making my way up to varsity and then I ended up uh getting hurt and some something happened at school so I had to transfer to a different school and what a lot of people fail to realize is like when you have something in your life that you're very comfortable with, you're very used to, and you have to transition to a new school, transition to a new job, you have to just figure out and figure out like what's next. And, and you just have to kind of grab it by the horns and just like, Hey, all right, I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna try this out. All right. This is where my lane is at. And that's kind of how it was for me in, in, in life. You know, I, I transitioned into Ohio state and I mean, I ended up going to a plantation and then ended up doing well enough to go to Ohio state and it kind of, propel my life and it's kind of the same thing with me right now when it's what I'm what I'm going through was I had my football and I was like oh man everything is great and then it you know stuff happens and then you know God threw a wrench in there it's like hey you need to you need to uh change the way you're thinking you need to change the way you're doing things and and I just surrounded myself around really good people you know I made sure I didn't stay isolated in the situation and you know I just try to make sure I don't you know live in the past you know so those are the things I feel that like really helped me transition, but it was, it was never an easy one because I remember I definitely had days when I would cry to some of my friends and like, man, I don't know what's next. I don't know what I'm about to do. And uh, is is I'm going to be completely honest with you. When somebody has a transition in life, like I had like a spinal cord injury or a bad breakup or a divorce, most people don't know what the next steps look like. It's, it's maybe one or, you know, maybe one out of 10 people know like, all right, if this doesn't pan out, I know exactly what I'm about to do next. But I promise you, like even that person is still a little bit, a, lo a little bit lost, you know? So I just felt like the transition wasn't the best I me mean, at, at first, 
But then I kind of started trusting, you know, the trusting the steps that I was going in and I was trusting the people I was around and it, it helped me uh, get to where I'm at now. Yeah, dude, guaranteed. And like, cause nobody wants to start at the bottom of the mountain again, you know, like, as you like, like, cause like NFL is pretty, you get there pretty fast. Like, you, I mean, you, you went from probably like 18 to 22 and you're a first round draft pick working through like, so I, like, that's a pretty tall mountain and to yeah. start back. And then now um what like obviously like your like your story is amazing but um did did you did you always kind of want to write a book at some point or like did the the whole process inspire you to do so no so I always was like man I'm when I was young I was I'm gonna have a story about myself like I'm gonna write a story I'm gonna tell a movie or something about my life and then but I didn't think I was gonna have to go through a spinal cord injury to do it and as I was going through my rehab, I started just noticing how I was starting to recover. I was starting to get better. I was assuming I was going to play football again. But then also I was just trying to motivate people because I understood just what I was going through and how low I was in that moment. And if I can just bring people up and just uplift them and provide support and provide happiness and just provide them some positive insight, because nowadays is every everything we're looking at is either fake or people are you know lying to you or people are telling you you're not good enough and i just wanted to you know to let people know that man through all that negative talk all you have to do is stay positive and keep looking forward because i never seen anybody win anything when they when they went into the race thinking they're gonna lose yeah like and it's funny how simple that is like uh (laughs) I, I had this uh, this buddy. He used to say, uh, "Nothing positive comes from being negative," yeah. and I'm, I'm just like, "Okay, yeah, that that's super logical." Like, but like I get now that I coach some mental skills myself for athletes and humans and that kind of thing. Like, there there's literally no benefit to being negative. Like negative negativity, and we have this whole negativity bias in our psychology to like identify threat to keep us alive. Like, but that's outdated now. It's that doesn't really serve us. But like people will stay negative and keep going down and down and down. But like, I would like just with with how I I hear you say it, like in that same sense, like a lot of people live in the, like, what if this doesn't work? Like mindset, like, well, what if it does? Like, I'd rather (laughs) operate with that fuel in the tank than like walking through life, like scared and fearful and doubtful. Because again, like, kind of how we started a little bit like commitments medicine like when you commit and trust and believe and you can like like throw faith in there as well and all these things like and because like faith breeds positivity belief breeds positivity all these things because it's like at the end of the day like you're not going to be able to write a book about your life if you didn't face adversity like nobody wants to hear about this nobody's writing books about the silver spoon kid that got everything handed to him you know and like, obviously, I'm sure you didn't want it to happen the way that it, it did with you. But like, in that same sense, like, um, I mean, you can like God gives us whatever toughest battles to the strongest warriors concept. But like, at the end of the day, like, like people, like I hear a lot of people that want to like they want to be more patient or they want to like breed this character quality. And I'm like, you can't have patience without stress distraction. You can't have strength without like again identifying weakness or like training through pain. And so, anyways, I just think the the perspective you have there like is dynamite because like a lot of people as you transition identities like you even said it like really clearly right before then basically like it's always going to end like like and i had another guy on the podcast that he basically said you should never identify with something that can change like you're like so you're you're a dad right now at one point you're a son so like you can like you can you always have these qualities that made you a football player make you a dad but you're going to be a grandpa at some point like all these things can change so i just think 
like the the cleaner you can believe in the next step i think obviously accelerates some of these things no i, I definitely I, lo- I love how you said that like you know uh that you're dad like, i never like, like don't identify things with you know that can change and i never really even thought about it like that but you know it's, to me it's just it's like my wife got mad at me today and she was just like ryan like i don't understand how you're not frustrated in this situation and i was like michelle like I'm doing everything I possibly can in this situation, but like me being mad at this guy is not going to make the situation better. <laughs> like, it's like, it's just like, I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to keep trusting God. And I'm going to keep in, I'm going to keep going in the right direction and things are going to pan out. But she's like, I just don't understand how you don't get mad. I'm like, Michelle, like, I don't, I never seen me ha- anything positive. Like I never see anything good come in my life when I've just been frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's, it's I'm playing football or something. It's like, but other than that, in real life, that doesn't work. Yeah. Dude, when you're dealing violence, it's definitely like, it, it helps to get mad sometimes. <laughs> but so in that same sense, like, cause I, I coach on this and I actually speak on some of it, but like you've just found it so intuitively, it sounds like that, because like like I strive to stay positive and it's like it's like a, a practice for me um but in that same sense like where you're because you're talking about not living in the past either and then like when you get into this transition exploratory phase where like you're creating your own future right now which is so freaking awesome you're right again writing the book you get the opportunity to speak and again like help and like even you you said it really clean and kind of like a theme on the podcast because it comes up a lot is because it's have to have a bunch of good humans on here was it like help and support are not yours to keep like we've all been helped and supported throughout our life and you in like a, a i guess like a, a trial time after the injury like in the back of your head is like oh i can help and inspire here like that doesn't creep into everybody's brains it's like oh woe is me victim like mentality um how, how did you kind of cultivate that like did, was it the have you had that since you're a kid um were your parents crazy positive like what where did all this stuff come from so as a kid, I had alopecia growing up. And with me having alopecia, I was five years old. So when I was five years old, diagnosed with alopecia, I was automatically different than everybody else. So with me being bald at five, six, seven, 18, 20, you know, some guys start getting bald in their 20s. But I was, you know, from five years old to now, I haven't had hair on my head. And my parents, is I love them to death. And, and my parents are like almost polar opposites. My dad is a very realist, he, but he's not like negative, but he's just a realist. So it's like, hey, this is how something's going to happen. He, like even when even when I went to high school, he was like, Ryan, people are going to talk to you about three things. He's like, they're going to talk to you about and he like and most kids are going to lie about him. He's like, they're going to talk to you about women. They're going to talk to you about money and they're going to talk to you about drugs. And he was like, first, we don't believe no nobody in high school when they talk about it, because some of them lying and they, they all just trying to feel good. So like, that's how my dad went into high school in college with me. He's like, he was like, everybody has a clean, everybody has a garbage bag of their life. He's like, the more garbage you add to your bag, the less people want to take you out. And I was like, oh man, you know, so mm. he, uh, so I was like, he's like, whenever it's a situation where you and somebody else in the same situation, if you have more garbage in your bag, then they're going to deal with the person that has the less garbage. They're, they're going to deal with a person that that has, you know, that seems like the, the 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 better person. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, that's how my dad was. Like, he, like it's it's almost annoying sometimes because it's just like every time we talk, he's like he and he's a pastor. He's like preaching to me. You know, and it's like all right, but I but but that's my dad. You know, and I appreciate it. And my mom is just like 
when I had Chrome, I mean, when I had, she has Chrome disease and I seen her fighting through that, but I was five years old and I had alopecia. My dad came to me and my mom came to me and it was like, Hey, I just want to tell you one thing. You're, you're, you're going to be different than everybody else. But the thing about you is you're not sick. You're not hurt. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have a bald head. He's like, kid, my kids are going to pick on you and they're going to tease you because they have low self-esteem. But the thing is, everybody's going to go through adversity at some point. The unfortunate part about you, Ryan, is everybody's going to see yours. And, you know, so, so there was like, it's nothing wrong with you. You're a healthy kid. Everything's going to be all right. Just keep, just keep enjoying life. If a kid bullies you or whatever, laugh at their jokes, you know, and, and you're going to, and people are going to be your friend regardless if you have hair or not. And that's kind of how I grew up. And then it's like, from that moment on, you know, kids will pick on me here and there and kids joke, kids are mean, you know, but then I would, I would just, get better and start to realize who I was. I wasn't hiding from it. And my, my, my dad one day would say, Hey Ryan, you're wearing a hat or you're not wearing a hat. Like it's, he's like, you either not, you can, you can wear a hat, but if you're going to wear a hat, you're wearing a hat every day, you know, like, because, because it's like hiding from it. But he's like, if you're not wearing a hat, you're not wearing a hat. You know, like if you wear a hat, it's going to be more because like, Oh, it's hot. You know what I'm saying? Or you're, but you're not hiding from what you have. He was like, because that day people going to love you and know you for who you are. And once you made this decision, I don't want you going back on your decision. And like, I feel like the positivity of my mom always saying everything's going to be all right. And I seen her as she was going through her crumbs. And as I was going through injuries and growing up and just life and situations in my family, my mom was always with a smile, always positive. And then my dad was just right there like, hey, like we can be positive in this situation, but just also understand this is what people are thinking, you know, and this is what people are feeling so just I just got a combination of both of them and then it's like so crazy because like I'm like my mom on a very very positive side and my dad my brother's like my dad he's like way more realistic and like thinking about stuff you know and the one thing that's I would say the one negative about being so positive is just like if you're going to play blackjack you never think you're going to- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I, I I've been on a casino kick as of late so that hits for me yeah <laughs> Oh shit, dude! That was um, that was juicy. Like just to unpack that um, one, the trash bag analogy is dope. Like I love that. Um, yeah, like because I like I'm a and because like I've I found this in relationships in general is like and like I've even I've tried to bring it into like business relationships, but it's like it's it's harder to bring up. But like the cool thing that your dad brought up is like okay, like like your dirt's on the surface a little bit. Like it's obviously, it's not a flaw in any sense. It's something out of your, your control, but it's different. Yeah. Um, and so people know that. And I one, I think the cool thing is, is you, you learn about the world really fast. Yeah. Like you learn that people you treat people, how they treat you concept shows up really quick because like, okay, if they're too insecure, if they have to like pick on me or anything like that, I can see through the bullshit really quick. Cause most people like have fake friends for like a lot of their life. Yeah. And you don't you 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 have like honestly it's a blessing in the sense where it's like okay if looks actually matter like it's not like i want the person yeah. and like because i because i think that we we struggle in general with people want to know again that it's all surface level shit but it's like i i view this in people's resume right now in the business world because a lot of people because i'll go to charity events or i'll go to like events in general and everybody wants me to wants to tell me their resume or t- talk about themselves and I, in my head, I'm just seeing red flag, red flag, red flag, not a good person kind of deal. Not, not, a, not a good person, but like, this is not the type of conversations I want to have. Same as like you, you surrounded yourself with a bunch of great, 
great people as you're going through it. Like that's so necessary in the sense, but I want to know the human. I want to know, again, struggles, doubts, vulnerabilities, what, what fucking makes you cry or like anything along those lines, as opposed to, Hey, I'm Brian. I played professional football for eight years. I have a Northwestern degree. I did this. I'm doing this and this is who I'm working with right now. I don't care about like the, the analogy I use a lot is like, you don't go to the restaurant to eat the menu. You go there to eat and enjoy the food. Like when it comes to humans, like I want to just, I want to get to know the human. And usually how I do that is I try and I either have conversations or like I try and find a way to struggle with them or like help, like help solve problems. And it just ends up working out really well. But dude, that, your dad sounds like a stud. Yeah. Um, like what, what great lessons to teach young. And then, cause I, cause when I coach mental skills, sorry, this is just an exciting conversation for me selfishly now, but, um, the the hat thing like the hat concept is like you, you don't get that choice to some extent but like because I, I believe a lot of people wear masks yeah. and like i like my athletes to master masks because like i don't want them to be the like some people think you should be the same person all day like morally and from a character standpoint value yeah i think you should be but like like same as within your life right now like you're gonna get a different ryan when i'm playing video games versus when i'm being a dad when i'm public speaking whatever it ends up being so master your masks but like this is one that like I, I think it kind of sounded like he was uh, uh, preaching to be all day is like just be who you are like you don't need to hide hide it under the hat or anything like that I don't know if that uh, brings up anything for you but I just think uh, I think that's really special. Yeah, no, he definitely he definitely said like Ryan, be who you are, and then also I think it really helped me out when it came to like decision making because a lot of times when I make decisions. There's no, you know, if it's a good or bad one, it's like, I got to live with it. You know, and a lot of people go back and looking at their, like, in their review mirror about decisions that they have, you know, and uh, and I'm a public speaker, so I'm giving you some of the stuff I speak yeah. on. But it's like, like, uh, it was crazy. It's like I, like, I use a metaphor in, in my speeches and it's like, hey, you know, it's too many people looking in the rearview mirror, you know what I'm saying? And But we got this windshield that's right in front of us and it's big for a reason, you know what I'm saying? If you look mm. at like, you know, like if you keep looking in that rearview mirror, you're missing out on your future. Like you're missing out what's in front of you, you know? And and so many people are like, like, and, and I use that for example, because, and I used to have, for example, because my dad was like, hey, you have to have a choice. You're wearing it or not. So from pretty much everything on in life, when I made a decision, it's like, all right, I'm doing this or not. And it's like, I had got hurt and I wasn't supposed to play in the game that I got hurt. But a lot of people ask me like, hey, do you wish that you never actually played in that game? I'm like, no. Like, that was a decision that I made. And it's like, I got to live with that decision. You know, and I think a lot of people, they, they you know, they, oh, man, if I if I didn't get mad at work, I would have, I would have still had my job. If I didn't do this, I would have had that. And it's like, what it could have, should have, would never fix anything for you. You know, and and I think just like, my dad with the hat situation, it just taught me so many lessons. It's like, it's like you can you can do this or you cannot do this. You know, it, it helps you make decisions. But then it's also like Ryan, like you're gonna go through stuff, man. You're gonna go through shit, and and people people gonna they gonna hate you or they gonna love you. It doesn't matter who you are. Like like some people like The Rock. He's like one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. But some people hate him. You know what I'm saying? It's like but you, you like I, I, I like it's it's everybody has somebody that don't like them, you know, and it's, and you you can't be perfect. And my dad, my dad told me that. And it's like, even to this day, I still want to be liked by everybody, but it's not, it's not possible. Yeah. It's just, it's a logical, like, I, like I, I struggle with, I'm a people pleaser. And like, I've been trying, like, I, I went to, like, uh, I was trying to solve all my problems transitioning. So I was like, 
went to therapy, did all this stuff to like try and rationalize myself out of that logic. Um, but it's like, like if you're looking for external validation, but like, that's why I think like you just, even if it's percentages and partially like the, the ability to make a decision with what's like important to you is like truly, I think pretty rare because everybody's looking for like, what am I supposed to do? Or looking in the rear view and like even even when it comes to that like i don't know uh i, I, I talk about a couple of books on the podcast a decent amount i don't know if uh it sounds like you're listening to books and doing all that kind of stuff like we're talking about before the podcast but this uh book awareness by anthony DeMello is a beautiful book um beautiful. it's called awareness by anthony DeMello. so he spent 20 years as a preacher and then 20 years as a psychologist and he, he tells the like it's not about religion it's about identity but it but he ends up coming full circle on religion, just how beautiful the story of Jesus is in general. It's one of my favorite books. It helped me transition from sports because it all it does is attack identity. It attacks like our relationship with the past and the future. And he really just makes fun of all the logic of identity and it's beautiful. But one thing and a point you smoked in the book, again, I think like old problems have old solutions. Like you found this in the new era as same as he found it and like the history of religion and all these things too. But like, most people just want like it's the same reason some people go to therapy because they want relief they don't really want to do the work and solve the problem and i like i see that and he's basically said everybody's like we're all just adult kids we like we want our toys back like i want my re reputation back i want my football career back i want my money back i want my wife back like whatever it ends up being but like that's not like that's not the work like that's not having awareness and like what is in my control right now and he says it really beautifully in, the, in that menu example I said about eating the menu and the food that's from that book too. I like I've literally coached out of that for five years now, just because I think the identity thing is really important. The more that we can like demystify it and like same as people are asking you, if you wish you didn't play, like all those were my choices and they happened how they happened. And I like me holding on to it. Cause like I coach out of like long and short term emotion now. Like, so if you're walking around with regret every day for that one decision you made, which was based off of like your heart, passion, soul, competitive spirit for the game, which are all incredible qualities. Like, no, why do I regret like doing this incredible thing, which again, 0.00001% of the population gets to experience anyway, stepping on a football field, living, like playing an adult game for millions of dollars. Like, no, like, and I'm, I'm a competitor. I'm probably a leader on the football team. I, I think it was a contract year for you too. You're about to make whatever the, the hell, like, which is another whole gravity to the scenario. I don't know if people know, but like, yeah, no, like I made this decision. I was fully capable of making it. Like I, I, cause I, I had like an ankle injury that washed me out of uh, the Texans. And the people asked me, Oh, would you redo it? I was like, no, like I was a leader on the team. I wanted to play. And like, I didn't know if I was going to play again anyways. Like I could die in a car crash or anything. So anyways, like part of my process was getting rid of these long-term emotions of like regret, doubt, whatever, like just backtracking because the, and then another book, if you're in this world, um, is called Stumbling Upon Happiness. And uh, this is like a psychology book, kind of based book, but they storytell really well in it. But it basically demystifies how bad our memory is and like how we can't actually like nobody can predict the future but like so the goal of life is to like live in this really small window like day or two in the past day or two in the future and just stumble upon because like they, they get to positivity in the book as well it's beautiful but it's just every point they make like they support it with psychology experiments and now it, but it's like again you found this recipe on your own life experience where i think it's it's powerful but i just like i i just like that uh 
I really like the windshield and the rearview mirror. Like, okay, that's super tangible. Like, this is about how much space we should give to the past. And this is how much we should like just be in the moment, driving, feeling, like looking at the good shit in life. So that that dude, that's fire. That's really cool. Man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. It's it's, it's so crazy because um, like I just as I as I continue to just talk about my story and and and, and bring it on and it, it to me, I actually feel just like you said, relieved, and uh, I feel like I'm really helping and 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 uh, blessing other people because I know what I went through. I understand the struggles I went through. I understand how tough it can be. And to me, you know, if I'm talking to a thousand people, if I can help, you know, one or two in there, I know that's going to make a world of a difference, you know, and, and hopefully I can help all a thousand, but and they, you, you can't help everybody. But I just, you know, to me, one of my, the thing is about me, I was always a team player. Obviously, you know, everybody loves their accolades and stuff like that. But I was always a team player and I love how Jimmy Butler is, man. He's like the ultimate team guy. And to me, it's just when when you're a team, when you win stuff as a team, when you do stuff as a together and you have the right group of people around you and, and you're all thinking about the same type of goals, it's so much easier to achieve them. I think that's the reason why Jimmy Butler keeps getting to the NBA finals, to the Eastern Conference finals is not because his team is the best team. Is because of the positivity and the belief and the understanding of how we can build upon each other is how the Miami Heat keep keep making it this far, you know. And and uh, I, I try to you know build my life and, and and live like that. Well, yeah, which again, like, why I, I just think because I, I see a lot of people strive, and you read books about like these these lone wolves and those kind of things, or like the goats. And like, I, I know people beat up MJ a little bit for like being this, like, but I, I still think he was a team player in, in a lot of aspects of the game. But in the same sense, like, I think as humans in general, not like high performers, but like, cause everybody's on a team and family work, whatever it ends up being, they're in some relation to team. But I think shared experience, like with a shared purpose is so damn cool. Like I love sports for that because like, we're all like, Sports is built to be uncertain. Like, who's going to win? Who's going to lose? It makes the game freaking beautiful. And But now, like, all these little separation qualities. And in my head, like, while I was playing, it was, I was chasing edges. And, like, if I found an edge, like, I'd share it with as many people on my team that would listen as possible. Because, like, like I, I, I also, like, because you walk, you go through the NFL, you see, I don't know how the uh, Pittsburgh was. I, I, I met Cam and a couple other guys out at PA meetings because I was a rep. And I, I really liked the culture, like, because uh, – um who's the other alignment uh pouncy was out there and then um yeah um yeah so but like it sounded like you guys had a really good culture of like sharing because like partially it sounded like you guys had terrible facilities uh a little bit and you guys wanted to get your your standard raised but besides the point but uh, on a couple teams i was with people would like just hoard information and then i've heard other stories around the nfl where like guys would actually feed like new draft picks and other people misinformation to protect their job. And that never made sense to me as far as like, again, a team working for a, a common goal and like a shared like experience of like, yeah, like this is why we care when we win and we celebrate together. It's not just like go in there and like hype myself up. Yeah. Like I, I heard, like I used to hear that. Like I remember when I got drafted, people was like, man, you have to watch out. You got to make sure guys aren't, are misfeeding you information. And I was like, like that doesn't even make sense. How you winning games if you misfeeding each other information? But um, but like that that's not the culture that Pittsburgh has at all. Like they it's crazy because uh the 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 line between business and like almost like family kind of environment is very close, you know. And 
sometimes it's almost too close for guys because then it's like, damn, I thought I didn't think I would get cut because it's just I feel so so much like a brotherhood here. But to me, I thought they did a great job. Like I would go to like sometimes I would go to Pouncey during training camp. And, and Ramon, like, hey, yo, what do I need to work on to get better? Like, what do you think I need to do to get better at linebacker? Hey, I used to go to Ben. Hey, Ben, when you're a quarterback and, you know, you're looking off people, like, what is the process of looking people off? Like, you know, and they'll go to me. I'll ask it. Like, I'll go to the 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 the, the, the offensive side and ask the, the, their coaches. And, and, the, and the, the thing that's so crazy is, like, we have something there that was called winning edge. So, like, the, the the linebackers, safeties, and defense will like all get together on like a Friday and then like watch the win it, like watch the like the extra stuff that you know wasn't on the team meeting that we can learn about a team. All right, these are the they third down situations. This is their go-to stuff. You know, this guy, you be like, hey TJ, you see this guy right here? He he shows this, you know, and and hey Minka. This this quarterback, when he's in a tough situation, he likes to roll out to this way. But if he roll out that way, he's not throwing the ball away. It's just like just little things like that, little nuggets like that. And we just we used to help each other with it. You know, and to me, I actually talked to Joey Porter before about that. And I was like, man, like because I'm very open about giving information. You know, I don't I don't have a problem. If you better than me or you worse than me, I always, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to give out information. And I was like, man, Joey, like. Why sometimes people are so tough, like to help other dudes and help other people. He was like, right, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. People are scared to do that when they feel that they have a opportunity of losing their job. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, that's crazy. He was like, he's like, man, it's just obviously the NFL is a dog eat dog world. But in days like when people feel like they have an opportunity to lose their job, a lot of people are have grown up being afraid to share information because they don't want to give out something that they can lose their job over. And I was like, man, like to me, I'm always down for a fair fight. I'll give you the information and we just got to battle it out from there. And that's, that's how I always been. Yeah, dude, that's uh, but it, and and it's real. Like I think it happens in all aspects of like jobs and those kind of things. It just gets amplified in sports, but, uh, um, I'm a sucker for like good quotes and that kind of thing. But um, there's this competitive quote. uh, I I don't want to butcher it, but basically like if you find yourself in a fair fight, you didn't prepare properly. Like you, like it's, it's always on you to become overprepared to not lose your job or to like have a winning edge or an advantage in the game. Like, yeah, but like that's again. And like, even to, to your points about like one, the culture you guys had at Pittsburgh sounds dynamite. And I, uh, I've heard TJ talk about it a little bit, um, but in the same sense, the best players I've been around and that we had a really cool team in Houston my last year. And because um, we had Tyron Matthew, JJ, um, JJ, Jonathan Joseph, who played whatever, 14 years, K Jack, who's still playing. I just saw him uh, out in Denver. But like we, yeah, we had, we had a really good group of guys and like, obviously Deshaun was younger. So we had this whole mix of age. But one of the coolest things, to your point, like you got, you guys had it built into your system, the winning edge. Yeah. And like, why would you not? But like, that takes leadership because we didn't have that. And like, I like, so I was our special teams captain down there, and so I was always like trying to help. Like, I was trying to help guys like appreciate special teams because like you can keep your job longer if you do special teams. And it was yeah. so hard. It's so hard to like track guys down. It probably took too much of my energy, which is one of my like long term regrets. But besides the point, I'd be in there late like watching film with like one of the younger guys, or if we just signed a guy that has to play and, but and I'd like walk into a meeting room and you'd see like Tyron and hop 
and they'd be like doing exactly what you're doing, asking about what the offense is trying to do. But like Hops watching other receivers for Tyron to say like, hey, this is why he does this. Or like, oh, just, just watch his right hip. And it just like, it was so cool to see that exchange of information. And you probably, and like it, now it's not rocket surgery why these guys are great. Yeah. And, and then Jonathan Joseph, who again was 14 years in, if you came to him and asked him questions, and like you actually, he, he could kind of, he had a good like bullshit uh, meter in the sense where like, do you really care? Or are you still in this to look good for the coach? Yeah. But uh, dude, if I, I asked him a few things, honestly, like J. Joe, like used to feed communication to me like constantly. And I, I one year I'd probably argue that he helped keep me on the team because like we'd be out on the field together and he'd like say, be look at this and this or like be undercut this. And like I, I got two interceptions in training camp because of him. And like that's the flow of information that I always thought was really special. But I, I I haven't heard many teams that have that built into the system. So that's pretty cool that you guys did that. Yeah, man, it's it's kind of cool. Like they even still do it to this day. And and uh, it started off with you know me, Coach Tomlin, and a guy named Will Allen, and we'll just like start watching film together. And and what's so crazy is like a lot of teams, like their scouting department and their executive office and teams like that, like they're they don't even communicate with a team, you know what I'm saying? But like we watch, like we watch all this stuff in the scouting room, like the, the, the like the draft room, you know. So it's just like, and then all the players be in there. So it's just like they interact with each other. Obviously, you know, you see your board, your name on the board and stuff like that is in like where they gauge you at. But it also like it kind of show you, all right, this is like. I understand what my job is, but also I understand that, hey, these are the people that are scouting the teams that we're playing. Like if a scout is playing, this, if, if one of the scouts for the, the the Steelers is playing the Texans and he went to go watch you guys play the last three games, you know, we'll just go to him and be like, hey, yo, can I see what, what your notes are on some of the guys that you, mm-hmm. you scout? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like that type of stuff made a difference. And, you know, from – top down all the way down and it's like it doesn't matter wh- what position you are wh- who you are if you really want an effort again better and i even still see that to the team now when i go there like guys are willing to help each other talk to each other like i was seeing like Najee and mika when i went in this offseason like when i went to otas the other day like they're over there chopping up just talking about stuff together and and whenever you got an offense and defensive guys trying to help each other that's how you continue to get better and you continue to see guys become dominant and and uh, I can – that's why I just, you know, I'm really grateful for being able to play there because I definitely heard a lot of horror stories of, in other places. Yeah, I don't think many people know how, like, bad – like, a lot of communication across NFL is, like, front office to coaches. And, then like, because, like, really it's kind of like the coaches are just kind of, like, sometimes on their own and they butt heads with the GM. But then some GMs just want to be the Grim Reaper and they never even, like, create relationships with the players and – Anyways, that's the point. I just didn't realize how much coaches and GMs butt head around the league. But uh, well, so I, well, like Tomlin intrigues me. Uh, what what, is, what are some kind of lessons that Tomlin taught you uh, throughout the years? Man, I'm not gonna lie. It's so crazy because uh, I always tell everybody like Coach Tomlin is like a almost like a father figure to me. Obviously, I have a father. Like he's like, yeah, everybody knows that. And him and my dad are actually pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it's just like. To me, just the, the he he taught me he taught me a lot when it came to just like he has a lot of just crazy things. He says like we'll play we'll play the, the Rams. He was like hey, we we're going against a bunch of nameless great faces, and it's like you know Aaron Donald's over there. And it's yeah. like you know, but he was like, hey yo, if we do our job, we can win. If we do what we supposed to do, we we're good enough, and we can win. 
you know, and and to me, like what's so crazy with Coach Tomlin is like I, I actually got to see front and center why he has never had a losing season. And the reason I say that is because I used to come into the facility at 6 a.m., meeting started at 9. I don't know what time meeting started there, but meeting started at 9 for us. I would get to the facility at like 6 a.m. because I would watch film in the mornings. I get in there, there's only like five people in the in the in the facility, like like the security people, like you know, like like a few like coaches, but like Coach Tom in there every morning, every single morning. So it was so crazy because I would be there at 6 a.m. He'll be there at 6 a.m. And Coach Tomlin already liked me, but I was just like, I tell people this all the time. Imagine if you're with somebody so much, like you see them all the time and you see that they're just constantly trying to do what they can to help you win games. You're going to start to build a connection with them. So like it would be 6 a.m. It would be like he started seeing me come consistently when I, where I was watching film at, he would just come in there sometime and watch it with me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. like most people don't get to watch independent film individually with their head coach. You know, and and I got that I got that opportunity too, and we kind of built a relationship, and I started to understand what he wanted to do uh, with the team, where he was trying to go, what his mindset was at, and just how much work he put in, man. Like he like his he his you know he's implementing in like every part of the team, and you actually see how much he really cares and how much he understands, and and he's just not somebody that just oh you do this and you do that. Like he's actually somebody that imprints and understands how to. Uh, get the best out of each and every person that he, he he has because the one thing that a lot of coaches are not good at is they coach the way that they feel is best for them and but they don't coach the best way for the guys that they're coaching and I think that's what coach Tomlin does a lot of people is like hey this is my offense this one I'm running this is my this is my this is my style Coach Tomlin's style is like, all right, Brian, all right, how do I how do I need to coach you? Oh, you a guy I need to get in your ass? All right, cool, I will. Oh, you a guy I need to all right, I can't do it in front of everybody? All right, cool, I will. It's like he he knows how to gauge and like push your push your buttons when they need to be pushed. And but then he also understands like, hey, everybody's not the same too. So he does a he, he does a really good job of that. And and he makes it he makes it really competitive. You know, like it, it's funny, like uh like like it's, it's it's a few it's a few quotes that I remember when we were playing that like it's two things that always stick out with me. Like he he always says uh uh two dogs one bone and I'm gonna break down break that down and then he always says I'd rather say woe than sick him right. So like with the two dogs and one bone situation, it would be like hey you know Ryan is out this week with an ankle injury. You know we have Brian and Cody. You know, is both y'all fighting for this job, and then when Ryan come back, it's two dogs, one bone. So whoever win that battle, the other guy out. And it was like, yo, to me, I'm cool with that. It's no gray area. It's no mm-hmm. gray area. He's not trying to like, hey, you're doing a good job, da 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 da. Do you get cut? It's like, hey, when Ryan come back, if you're not doing good enough, you're gone. And it's like, you can't get to me as a professional. You can't get mad at that. You know. You know what's ahead of you. You know what you have to. You know the. You know the guy you're battling. You know what you have to do. And I was always cool with that. And then another thing was like, it was so funny because sometimes like guys would get like, you know, guys would get hit in practice. We're linebackers. Like sometimes somebody would come across the middle, you hit them, and it was like you might not try to hit them hard, but it like it looked worse than it is. This and that. And then, uh, and like he'll put it in the meeting room, and then he'll say. He was like, man, hey, hey, Ryan, you can't be hitting such and such like this, you know. But he's like, hey, I'd rather say woe than sick him. He's like, mm-hmm. the moment I got to tell you to sick him, you don't, you're not gonna be here. 
you know, and, and a lot of people like, like, it was like, what does that mean? It's like, like coach is basically telling you, I read that you hit somebody first and then ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> then, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, man, I'm, like, I'm cool with that because a lot of people, you know, they, they run around on eggshells and it's like, man, like, no, nah, he wants you to go out there and play ball. Yeah, dude. What, uh, two great freaking coaching points. Cause like, I, I've had so many of those show up in, in my career in general, but like, that's like, what a great leadership tag, like the two dogs, one bone. Like you said it yourself, it's clear, you know what it is, you know, the, the scenarios and where I think some leaders fail is they leave all this gray area. And like, like I, I truly believe, and it's been on come up on the podcast a couple of times too, that like people want to be led. And like when you are on a team and there is a leadership hierarchy, obviously the head coach is up, up there on the hierarchy. When they make the rules real and standards of, of performance or standards of preparation really clear, or like, they, again, there's a competition for this spot while Ryan's gone and obviously the loser's out. Okay. I don't have to like, well, oh, I need to play the political game. I need to look good. No, no, no. There's two dogs, one bone. That's it. Like that's that's savage. But it's but it's such a good leadership tactic because again, like when people don't communicate the standard, you don't know whether you hit or miss. Yeah. Or if you don't know the situation, you don't know what the rules are. You don't know how to compete your face off for the bone. And like that's where like so simple, but like I think that shit's powerful. And then like the whoa sickum thing is. I learned that really early. Like I, I like I was on a rookie minicamp trial and Brian Cox, who's like a legend linebacker stud for the Pats and stuff back in the day. But we, obviously you weren't in helmets and rookie minicamp and that kind of thing. And I was a safety. I played safety in college and then I used the CFO to switch to linebacker. But um, we had three guys pop hamstrings uh, day one at rookie minicamp. So I had to go play Sam linebacker. And there was this chance where I, like I, I would have smoked the fullback, but like, I basically like we both me and the fullback both just like pulled up and like boom and and meetings uh Brian Cox goes like would you would you have smoked this guy right here? I go, yeah, I would have I would have murdered him. And he goes, I'll never know. He goes, because you chose not to be physical right here. And I go, fuck. And I was just like, he goes, he goes, he goes in the NFL, he goes, every chance you have to be physical, you do it because like now there's no room for doubt. There's no room for uncertainty. What he is he tough? Is he physical? No, we know and we'll pull you back. But we need to, but we need to know. And he goes, he goes, because you're like you're a skinny white boy safety is what he called me. He goes, I need to know that you can play. I know that you need to play with the big dogs. And I was like, all right, bet. And so, anyways, but like that's again, it's coaching and clarity. And I think it's like that's what good leaders do is they make it really clear what they want. Even the standard of effort needs to show up before we sick you back. I think that's yeah. I think I think that's special, dude. And then um I don't want to take up too much of your time. I think we're ripping towards an hour right now, but um kind of uh I don't want to completely skip over uh part of your story, but the so with the injury and everything like that, like obviously that whole comeback, um what did you like? What did you hang your hat on? Like, what did you find out about yourself, kind of, as you're moving through to uh, get back, uh, walking, and do that whole thing? And not to like over summarize, but like, do you look back and say, like, damn, like I, I'm glad I, I could hang my hat on this, or I'm glad I was positive? Like, what showed up there? You know, you know the thing that kind of showed up to me the, the most was just like the the amount of support that people you are know, willing to like to show. You know, like my whole life, I always felt like I can do whatever I wanted. Like, you know, like I, I'm going to be whatever. Like if I put my mind to it and I actually lock in, I can do it. Like, I, So that's one thing is like when I got injured and I said I was going to, you know, 
walk again. And I, I knew I was going to do it. Obviously, the, the odds were crazy against me, but, you know, people always told us we'll never play football and look, we made it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And people, you know, like when it came to the degrees in college and just so much stuff in life. But when I just seen how, like, the people that I surrounded myself showed up, you know, I'm really happy to hang my hat on, like, the like my parents, like the the guy that they raised me to be and how to pick people around me, you know, because in situations like I, I've been in, a lot of people have been in, in you know, th- that situation, but then they also been alone. They also been hurt. They also been, uh, they don't know who to lean on. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know how to, how to deal with the situation. And I, I can say one thing I can hold my hat on is I, I, just the people around me, I, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. When it comes for, from, you know, my best friends to my wife, to my mom, my dad, to, you know, Ohio State people, to to uh, even Buckeye people, you know, it's just like the, it, it was just crazy the amount of support and love that I was getting. And I was, and I felt like I was getting that before I got hurt. And then just even after I got hurt, it just, I felt like even, even more of it. And so it was just, to me, I just, I just, uh, I just got to thank God for, for, for that, because I just, sometimes I don't feel like that gets enough credit, you know, and, and people, when they're, when they're going out of their way to make sure that you're okay, I feel like it's, it's so much easier to get in a better mindset, a better, a better place. And, and, uh, and I think that's why I was able to stay there because the people that was around me knew who I was before and after my injury, and they made sure I stayed the same person and they made sure I didn't change. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really thankful for them. Mm, dude, that's fucking awesome. That's a, uh, that, that's not the answer I was uh, expecting. That's really cool. Just, yeah. well, just, um, again, like, uh, like that, like, I don't, uh, I'm not going to speak for it, but like, there's a million opportunities right there to talk about your willpower, your passion, like your problem solve, whatever it ends up being. I think that's, super special just for for the record just from my first but like that but i think it's it's so cool that um you can realize the support like again like i think it's cool when people support you at the top of the mountain at the bottom of the valley kind of deal anyways and to to know that you felt that through the whole process i think special but um yeah i think that's uh, that's really cool and then just to to wrap it up so i don't take up too much of your time but you're you're a fucking savage dude but uh so um how how we kind of close it out now is like what's the best advice you can give people or that you've that you've received too like what what stands out in your head oh man uh so the best oh so this this is this is how i end my my public speeches so i'm gonna i'm gonna end it like this so uh this is one of my favorite favorite stories favorite quotes and um and it's from the animal kingdom so let's go this is from the animal kingdom so the thing that's so crazy is um like there's, you know, people know cows and buffalo and there's not many places that cows and buffaloes are together, but one of them is in the Rockies. And when a storm come in the Rockies, uh, cow, uh, cows and buffaloes do two different things. And with cows, uh, they do things that, that most people do. When they see a big storm coming, they start running and they try to run away from the storm. But the biggest thing about cows is that they slow as shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, so as the storm comes, they're enduring the storm and dealing with the worst part of the storm because it's just, they're slow. Like they, they can't get past it. But the difference between Buffalo, once they see the storm coming, they run straight to it. 
And I, and as they run th- through it, they understand that the pain sucks. They understand that it that they have to deal with it, but they get through it quick and they get back onto to to the, the the beautiful side of it. And the biggest thing for me is like people need to be more like buffalo and less like cows. And, and when when adversity strikes, we need to run into it and, and embrace it because we understand it's gonna make you better. And most people, when they see adversity coming or they see difficulty coming. They try to run away from it, but they don't understand that it actually is hurting them more in the long run. You know, and and the biggest thing for me is just like, man, when adversity comes, you know, stand strong into it and and stand in the face of it and and, and uh get through it. What a great analogy. Yeah, like so if you're running from the storm, you're probably in the storm longer too, just because like it, you're running with the storm. Yeah, yeah. Uh no, that's dude, what a what a great lesson and what a great story. Um, yeah, perfect, dude. All right. Well, uh, where can everybody find you? Uh, obviously, uh, your books out walking miracle, um, all that juice, like where, where can everybody find you? Or like, is there anything you want to, uh, shout out or send direct people to? I'll have everything in the pod notes and that kind of stuff too. Yeah. So, uh, obviously I, I said, I deleted my app, but I, I still have Instagram and I still have Twitter, <laughs> you know, so yeah. know what's going on. Um, but so you can definitely hit me on, uh, if you, if you type in Shazier on anywhere, you will find me, you know, Ryan Shazier on Twitter, Shazier on Instagram. And then, uh, you know, if you want to donate to the Ryan Shazier fund, it's uh Ryan Shazier fund.org. Uh, you're not just, uh, you know, helping helping me, but you're helping so many others who uh, just want the opportunity of independence again. And uh, so, if you have if they have the opportunity to donate to the fund, that would be amazing. Uh, can you talk about the fund just real quick? Um, yeah, because it is it is it's special. It's it's a little different, but it's freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah. So the Ryan Shazier Fund, I started it uh, pretty much when I retired. So it was about three years ago. And when I started the Ryan Shazier Fund, it was because I was going through my injury with the spinal cord injury, which I had on December 7th, December 4th, 2017. And when this happened, I ended up, I ended up, you know, having a spinal cord injury. But when I was going through the spinal cord injury, I had so much support and so much help and so much love. And, and I was able to recover and, and, and I was able to get better. And I was almost able to play football again. But as I was going through this process, I was noticing that I would be going rehab and other people would not. And I will be still in the hospital and other people were not. And I will still be getting resources that other people were not. And I started asking questions. I asked a lot of questions and my wife said I asked too many, but I started asking a lot of questions. I'm like, what's going on? And they said, hey, unfortunately, this person's insurance ran out. This person, they, they can't afford it. This person, they can't do this. And I was like, man, it would be nice if people can have the same type of support I had. So mm-hmm. I wanted to start a Ryan Shazier Fund so I can start to give them more opportunities at Independence Again. And and unlike most uh, most foundations, when it comes to like medical side of things, most medical foundations go to research. And the one thing that I'm really excited about is actually we're going to helping individuals that are actually going through it at the moment. So uh, I'm not saying it's wrong with nothing wrong with either one of them. I just I know that, you know, when I was going through my injury, it would have been nice, you know, if I didn't have the resources for somebody to say, hey, you need some extra rehab. Here's the funds to help you get it. Um, compared to you know, hey, uh, this 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 foundation is doing a lot of research and and uh, we're, we're we're learning more things about how we can get better in the future, you know. And so I just wanted to be able to help out as much as I could. 
As though, and that's uh, primarily spinal injuries, right? So if anybody out there uh, has somebody that falls into that category that wants to keep getting support, um, obviously reach out to the crew too. But uh, all, all those links will be in the pod notes. Um, all his socials be in the pod notes as well. So, but uh, yeah, dude, uh, anything, anything else you want to rip on? No, man, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me, man. It was great talking to you and I, and I really appreciate it. Now you're a stud, dude. Then um, uh, can we get the book on Amazon, or is there a specific? Yeah, yeah, you can you can get the book on Amazon. Uh, just Walking Miracle, and uh, yeah, you'll see it on there. Yeah, awesome, dude. Well, dude, again, truly grateful for your time. Thank you so much. No, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, easy. Yeah, be well. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Hopefully you're getting some value or at least some entertainment and juice out of it. If you are enjoying the podcast, please don't hesitate to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everything you can find. All the support and interaction is greatly appreciated. Thank you for all the support and have a day.